You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Thank you for downloading and listening. We are coming to you today from the Sugar House in Detroit. I'm Joe Hakeem and I'm joined by Dave. Hey there. Jason. Good afternoon. And our very special guests joining us all the way from the Violet Hour in Chicago, Andrea. Hello. And Patrick. Hello. The Violet Hour is one of the United States' most well-known cocktail bars, and these guys are taking over the Sugar House Bar tonight, April 17th, for one night only. What do you guys have planned tonight? Lots of, lots of drinking. <laughs> I like Times, that one. Good music. We're, yeah. We're expecting it to be rowdy. And it's going to be a thing. Have good vibes and make some good drinks. Um, so you guys were here last uh, last May, yes, for a uh, benefit for Flint. Yes. And how did that come about? Uh, I reached out to Jason. Um, well, Sugar House specifically, um, it was a very organic thing. I had asked them if they wanted to do something regarding what was happening in Flint. And I had found an organization that um, was working on the floor and helping helping a lot of, a lot of the residents and we, that was last year, uh, May, and it was pretty successful. We raised a couple, couple thousand dollars and it was really good. Uh, it was a really good way to uh, establish our relationship with them. And, and so ha- have you guys went to Violet Hour, right? Jason, Dave? Yeah, we did the, uh, we, we did uh, the bar takeover in September of last year at the Violet Hour. It was a lot of fun. I obviously <clears throat> have a, uh, affection for Violet Hour as I spent many a day there drinking and uh, uh, stealing their techniques and ideas, um, which basically led to Sugar House, you know. So, I mean, Violet Hour was, if, I, if you don't know, Joe, I've, I think I've told everyone in the room this six times, but Violet Hour was a lot of my um, inspiration for Sugar House. You know, it was really where I spent a lot of my time when I was working out there and sort of forming what would become the basis for this place's program. So the takeover came about because after we did the um, the event, the Flint fundraiser event, Andrea again reached out, uh, which was really great um, for the opportunity to do that takeover. So maybe she can talk a little bit about, uh, you know, where that came from on their end. They do uh, they've been working on a lot of different events, bringing uh, different bar teams from around the country to Chicago, uh, which is a really cool thing. It's really to, to me when she reached out and throughout the uh, the possible opportunity. I was super stoked about it. I knew Dave was going to be stoked about it, but just for the opportunity to, you know, reach outside the city limits and, you know, Chicago has a natural synergy with Detroit, so I knew it would be kind of a great opportunity. So um, collaboration, something that's definitely on the minds of a lot of people, you know, working together to uh, elevate the scene and the individuals, um, something that we really have been working a lot on. So it's really great that we can now return the favor. We have them here tonight. We're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, uh, the uh, the Takeover Series kind of happened for us also pretty pretty organic. Um, we had brought our alumni from the Violet Hour who have all successfully opened up bars around the country. And we, we kind of sat around at a partner's meeting and we were discussing bars that we wanted to bring, specifically um, last year during the fall. And everyone was throwing out different bar names and i just said hey how about detroit they're like yeah who, you know who do you want to who do you want to bring from detroit and i told them about sugar house i was like i worked i did this event with them they're wonderful um their concept is very similar to ours and it was a done deal so the the partners were they were recently in detroit loved it loved everything that was happening here 
and uh, we pulled that event together and it was one of the most successful events that that we've had so it was it was great we had a lot of people coming out and uh, supporting detroit you know going back to what jason said there's a really good synergy between chicago and detroit and a lot of people from detroit also live in chicago so vice versa yeah there's a huge crossover yeah. like everyone i know moved to chicago it's like yeah. you know and now they're thinking about moving back. Well, some, yeah, some of them, for sure. So when these takeovers are planned, do you, do you get a lot of people? You probably don't get a lot of people traveling um, in terms of like people from Detroit coming down to Chicago or vice versa. I don't think they're. Maybe we do. You, you do. We do. Yeah, just we have this. we have a lot of people coming from Chicago just for this event here in Detroit, oh, and we had great. some people. Yeah, also do they did the same thing. Yeah, and, a bunch of people came. Yeah, mm-hmm. went came from Detroit to Chicago for our takeover. And then actually, like, we were at Sportsman's after the thing, after the takeover, and I ran into a big group of people, and they were like, oh, yeah, we came from Grand Rapids. Yeah. And, like, just a bunch of people came out from Grand Rapids, which was really cool. Yeah. You know? And so you're, you're doing another takeover with a bar from uh, New we, Orleans? From New Orleans, yeah. We're bringing Cure. So they will be here on the 30th. This is all in conjunction with the James Beards uh, Awards that are taking place in Chicago. Oh, okay. And you mm-hmm. guys you guys have actually won a James Beard Award, yeah? We did. Okay. Yeah. And so, how did that? Uh, how did that change the way you did it change the way you operated at all, or do you just keep going trucking? Uh, I don't think that would. Think it so. didn't really change how we operate. I mean, yeah. we've been pretty consistent in the ten years now that we've been open. And what was the award for best cocktail program? Uh, outstanding bar program. Outstanding bar so program. It was about five or six years ago when okay. they first introduced that category for the James Beard, where it only been restaurants beforehand right uh and we've been nominated every year that that program or that the outstanding bar program was considered hmm. in the james beard and finally won it after. that's great and so well you, deserved you mentioned you started in 07 so you're coming up on 10 year 10 year anniversary yeah you mentioned consistency but i imagine there's some evolution that has happened as well but how do you think you've evolved and remain kind of like oh, for sure i would say in consistency wise and i've heard this just from journalists talking about the violet hour and how the, the staff is pretty consistent so i've been there uh and august will be eight years there's three people who have been there longer than i have um so i think from the bartenders uh there's not a ton of um, new talent coming in or not that there's not new talent, but you know, not a lot of, people people not stick a lot of people stick ar- no. people yeah. stick around for a while yeah. um, there, which is great, and that kind of creates that consistency of the level of drink knowledge and drink making that's there. What do you attribute that to? That that rate retention. of retention. Yeah, um, it's great owners to work for. You know, um, there's kind of two different aspects of that. Um, so there's we're part of one. It's called one-off hospitality. Um, which has several other restaurants in the city, Blackbird, Back Republican, Big Star. I could keep going. Yeah, um, arguably the coolest the, group in Chicago. Yeah, they're they're one of the best restaurant groups to work for, yeah. and you know those guys have been you know doing this for years, and you know they you know have a sort of sense of family. Um, it, even in all the other restaurants, people stick around, hmm. um, and I think they're just great people to work for. Um, and then we have some people in New York that do sort of the consulting for us, Toby Maloney and Jason Cott. And Toby's worked at Milk and Honey, Pegu Club, 
Um, you know, he's been all over New York. And Toby's his, one of Sasha's first guys, right? Yeah, he. Yeah. I think he was on the opening team for Milk and Honey, which really revived the yeah. cocktail scene in New York. And so we've just kind of always been on the kind of cutting edge of of drink making for sure. How has um, so how has the evolution occurred? Like, so what's happened in terms of evolution for the Violet Hour? Um, I would say, I mean, looking back at the old menus now, they just seem so simple compared to what the menu has become. Um, you know, I think the drinks on those early menus were really just classics and like you know small touches to it. Um, there's the Julian Romeo, which is kind of our signature drink that's been on the menu since day one and that's essentially a gimlet and then you just add some cucumber and mint and rose water um so it's always been a little bit of salt salt. that's kind of always been the integrity of of violet hour is kind of staying true to classics and just doing minor minor tweaks um i would say you know you run out of so many drink ideas by sticking so simple so you know the menus become a little bit more complex and there's now a lot more split based cocktails, mixing different spirits together, a lot more unique syrups and um, just more interesting flavor profiles. So do, do you find that, so within those 10 years, like the, the average customer has a lot more knowledge too, right? So do most people know what a Negroni or a Sazerac is? And so you have to offer them more? Is that something that any, anybody can jump in here? But like, yeah, I would say... Uh, several years ago, you you could, you know, hand off a classic as as a sort of dealer's choice cocktail, and that would still blow people's minds because they maybe if they had had a Negroni or a Manhattan, like maybe they hadn't had a like properly made um, classic cocktail. Um, but now, with so many other cocktail bars open, and yes, people are a little more aware savvy. Of, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So those aren't always going to blow people's minds right. necessarily. Um, Although, like the Julian the Romeo, the Julian Romeo is still like one of the pocket drinks that like all the bartenders was like, hey, "You want something with gin?" Like, no problem. Like one of our guys, you know, uses it with Hendrix and just yeah. like, you know, just sells the shit out of them. I mean, yeah. like twenty a night is just incredible. You know? Yeah, it's a crowd pleaser. <clears throat> it really yeah, is, especially if you don't like gin. I think that's right. a great cocktail, like great yeah. introduction to it. Totally. People, I think people are afraid of gin yeah. sometimes. Every, yeah, yeah, people are always have always been afraid of gin. Now I think it's finally coming back a little bit yeah. where people are embracing gin and getting into some of the more nuanced spirits like aquavit. But even mezcal, still, mezcal, also, sure. Yeah, yeah really big now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's easy to convert. I found it's easy to convert people to gin. You just got to have that first drink. Yeah, the Ramos. Get them on that first. No, Give no, them a fucking Ramos. Most, <laughs> most people that throw off gin they probably haven't had it in yeah. many years and they've had a bad experience yep. when they yeah. were that was my in high school well. and you know well roger last night was making ramoses with um blue curacao and and avoca cachaça and like, it's <laughs> fucking delicious <laughs> <laughs> and it's blue which is fun yeah once you get into that first gin drink where you're like okay i, I can mess with this then you gotta yeah. you've just opened up a whole world yeah of possibilities for yourself yeah because I didn't drink gin for 10 or 12 years before I started working at the Sugar House because of that same situation of old fraternity uh, house antics and warm gin. gin. Yeah. yeah. Now I drink warm gin, gin like a fucking champ, dude. Because you have the best life. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. I, want, I want a life. I could just drink warm gin all day. It's great. But Fucking great. 
So how are you seeing, if I can ask a question here, um, we, every bar now, fortunately, every bar, every restaurant in Detroit that's opening, and there are a ton, not Chicago standards a ton, but like a lot for Detroit, uh, every bar and restaurant pretty much has like a decent cocktail program, like to the point where we don't even really have to say like craft cocktail anymore. Like it's just, everybody gets it, right? Fresh, you know, fresh juices, homemade syrups, things like that. So <clears throat> what do you see in Chicago in terms of obviously a million restaurants open a year there and they're all very serious. I mean, how, how do you think, um, uh, how do you think the overall programs are? I mean, just generally in Chicago, like, you know, are you happy with, uh, you know, all the, all the cocktail programs that you're seeing come up? I imagine every restaurant has got something cool and there's a new bar every day. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of cool things happening. I think, um, there's a lot more concept driven, uh, establishments happening. I think just to tap on, more niche um, aspects. So, uh, you know, Mezcal's the big one. There's several places that have just opened in the last year or so that are just tailoring to Mezcal and Agave products. Cool. Um, or gin bars. We have some that are just specific to gin. Gin bars, that's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Dove's is kind of Mezcal focused, isn't it? Yeah. Agave spirit focused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is one of your sister properties. Yeah. Cool. And then rum's huge, tiki. Yeah. Um, so there's yeah. a ton of tiki inspired yeah. places. So Lost Lake is great. Obviously, Three Dots is great. Are there mm-hmm. other uh, tiki bars out there that we should be going to? Um, I would. I wouldn't fully demote it to being a, a tiki bar, but Broken Shakers there. Oh yeah, on, I haven't been there yet. Of, uh, Miami. So yeah. Had, there's some sort of Miami. tiki influence. <laughs> yeah there i feel like is, is uh, it in a hotel broken shaker yeah it's in the yes. freehand oh yeah um, cool yeah i've heard that yeah i've never been to any of those but yeah um, yeah broken shaker is fantastic yeah it's a great bar uh the scofflaw group i think has something tiki inspired cool opening up and then there's a few places that are just kind of tailoring to just rum in general and not necessarily tiki but sure huge rum collections sure yeah that's great like, have you been to Cane and Table in New Orleans? Yeah, Cane and Table. Fucking great bar. Yeah, yeah great uh, bar. Yeah, that was opened by Kirk at Stepanoff, who's a veteran yeah. of Violet Hour. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. And and Cure as well, right? Yeah. Like, the same mm-hmm. group, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Wow. Neat. It all it all traces back. Yeah, that is cool. the source. I enjoyed Cane and Table, because, like you said, it's definitely great rum. Not really the, not really amped up on the tiki character, right. but um, just a solid sort of uh, rum bar. We were, we were there down there last time. Yeah, Paul McGee was doing a takeover there when we were down there. We didn't get any of his drinks, though, I think. It was, we were no, too early. Mark and I went there. Oh, right. I was yep. drunk and passed out. Well, no. There was lots of things to do. Well, I'm not. Maybe. No, maybe I, I was definitely drunk and passed out. <laughs> they, they coined the term uh, proto-tiki, which oh, nice. I think. Proto-tiki? I don't know if there's really any sort of definition other than I, like I think proto-tiki. there's some influences of tiki flavors. Yeah. yeah it's definitely kind of just doing their own thing. Yeah. It's kind of like, it, it feels like a bar that, like, if you were in like Martinique and you stumbled into a house, yeah. like that's what that like you know, yeah. It's really I, mean, I cool. wanted to say tropical, but not tiki. I don't right. know. That's like a yeah. Right. No, I think it's you know. accurate. Accurate description. Yeah. yeah. Differentiation. Yeah, I dug it though. It was a good time. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, and I love Cure. The place is great too. Yeah, we had a good time there too. Bartonique. Yeah. No, maybe we'll maybe we'll make it down there. Maybe. This summer. So, uh, being that you guys have won multiple awards. James Beard, among others, uh, and, and you have a lot of positive press that comes out about you guys almost on a regular basis. It seems like um, you guys get a lot of like tourist uh, tourists coming in, and do you have a different, not a different 
way of like, hospitality is not different, but is it like, do you have to, someone comes in with no knowledge versus uh, someone who has, you know, Dave's knowledge or something like, how do you treat them? How do you navigate the menu with them versus someone sure. who has? I, I would I'd say a large portion of our clientele are people from out of town. I think yeah. a lot of our press is more national um, than maybe a lot of other spots in Chicago. Um, so we're a huge destination spot. And those people are seeking cocktail spots. So yeah. those people are generally we a call little them bit cocktail more tourists. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I mean, it's an awesome part of our business. And that's the thing, like... Like everybody, like everybody knows, like Chicago. Like if you go to Chicago, you go to Violet Hour. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. Oh, I, that's about all. I have. Yeah. No, but I think it's. <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't mean to co-op that, but like I think it's totally relevant. Like that's yeah. the thing about, and so I, I wonder about that as well in terms of like, you know, you guys are obviously, you know, going out, eating, drinking. You know, do you look at Violet Hour as like, oh, it's a tourist destination? I mean, I don't think you know. I've gone there for ten years. I don't think that it's lost any of the charm or quality or integrity of the program, but obviously a ton of people go there that are like in it for the tour, in it for the cocktail experience. So do you, has it changed? Do you not see any, as many locals? Do you not see, you know? Um, I don't know. It depends on the day that you're working. So I feel like the weekends, you know, people are willing to wait in line. Yeah. I think that's because they're from out of town. That's their only opportunity. Um, it's a huge date spot as well. Sure. So yeah. those people are going to be a little more local. Um, those tend to be the people that you need to navigate the menu for and explain things a little bit more. Yeah. Like people that maybe haven't really read about it other than, the, oh, it's a great, great spot, spot to go yeah. on a date. Uh, you know, it's dark, it's candlelit. Um, everyone looks better. In yeah. The dark. <laughs> very, very true. With a couple, couple of drinks in you. I, I think it's the ambiance as well. We haven't changed, um, much of anything uh, in the 10 years that we've been there regarding the, the decor, um, the style of the Violet Hour. But uh, I don't think it is the place. I mean, I, a lot of my friends are just like, hey, it's great. You're at the Violet Hour. I haven't been there in years. You know, like we, we definitely have some, some people in Chicago that don't come because they don't want to wait in line. Um, and we also have an influx of very many cocktail bars that have been open sure. in like the past right. 10 years, you know? Right. Um, but I think, you know, following what Patrick was saying, people recognize us on a national level. Yeah. Like, or I had this experience here. Someone was here before and they said, I have to come to the Violet Hour. So, Yeah, a lot of a lot of local press, I think, focuses on all the new spots the new that are spots, opening. Yeah. So I think that's where it gets a little bit lost of being as relevant talked about in the city. Yeah. Um, but nationally, it's still always on all the lists. Totally. To, mm-hmm. to check out. Totally, yeah. Now we have people from all over the country that come in all the time. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. And do these takeovers, uh, to bring it back to that, like kind of give you an opportunity to, um, I mean, obviously it's an opportunity to peddle your, you know, your wares somewhere outside of the city. So even though you have this national press, it's always good to like be physically present in front of someone, uh, in another city and hopefully, you know, hopefully they'll want to come by and visit yeah. you. Right. Yeah, I mean, we started yeah. the Takeover series as just a way to bring back a lot of those alumni, people who came out of Violet Hour who are doing their own, their own things. And that was just a way to kind of, you know, show the show the city and show everyone, you know, how many talented people have come out of here and kind of a way to, like, look back on Violet Hour's past and where we started and, you know, trying to bring some of those people who 
came early on and didn't go there for many years and you know this have been super successful that's um, great I like it. I like the idea. I mean, obviously, you know, a hundred years ago, Detroit and Chicago were much different cities, but there was always this kind of sister city parallel, obviously mm-hmm. being very close and being, you know, both of the same Midwest sensibilities. And I love the uh, opportunity to, you know, work with you guys and have that kind of camaraderie across cities. You know, I mean, there's no competition. It's just, it's just all about sort of fun and celebrating each other's sure. programs. It's fucking kick ass. So you guys, um, you serve food at Violet Hour. Um, have you have you served food throughout the whole ten year tenure? Uh, food has always been served. Okay. Uh, uh, it's not on everyone's radar that we do serve food. Um, you know, it's people are primarily coming there for for drinks. Um, it's like an add on. <laughs> yeah, you know, our drinks are strong as yeah. cocktails are, and you know, you want to have some food to soak up the alcohol. Yeah, the first night I went there, I uh, I punched a hole in my windshield. Well, I punched my windshield, cracked it because I was so drunk, and I, my friend wouldn't let me drive. <laughs> so I got in my car and I punched the windshield, and then I threw up in my brand new G Star coat, and then I had to go to New York the next day for business, and my coat smelled like vomit for four days <laughs> until I got back to Chicago to get it dry cleaned. Oh, that happens. Stories. Yeah. We'll yeah. put a dramatization of that event on the website. Yeah, for everybody <laughs> tune to in. Re- and recap. Yeah, exactly. We'll, exactly. I was like so excited about it. I just like wolfed down like seven drinks, and yeah, it's hard to do. They're really tasty. Yeah, that was actually tasty. I had never been to the Violet Hour before. Um, when we did the takeover in September, Dave and I had gone out there uh, like a month before to kind of <clears throat> so I could see the space and hang out and uh, meet the partners or meet the meet the people that we were going to be working with and. Uh, that was actually my first experience there, and I had a great, I had a great experience, great time. The drinks were great. Hospitality, I mean, it's called one-off hospitality, but we talk about one of the themes that we've been kind of touching on in the podcast is as the Detroit scene grows and what does hospitality mean to that. And so, to have to be called one-off hospitality is one thing, but to actually like be able to deliver on that consistently over a long period of time, and uh, you know have the reputation for doing that is really impressive. So I don't know, um, maybe you could talk a little bit about what what do you think hospitality is in terms of in the Chicago market, what do you see in Detroit, things that we can aspire to? Yeah, I mean, the bar hospitality, I feel, is, can be a little bit different than your fine dining, but uh, you know, the partners at Violet Hour had opened up Blackbird as their first spot, which is fine dining for sure um and they've always been known as great hospitality um you know the word pretentious sometimes gets thrown out at cocktail bars like violet hour um in my own opinion i think we're like the least from that um you know there's there's some rules of of entering the bar (laughs) that is much different than other you know you don't just walk in you're you're sat by a host and treated by a host and you know you have your own seat there um so there's not as much roaming around so sometimes that creates some friction amongst people that just try to wander in and treat it like it's yeah why can't it's like any neighborhood neighborhood why can't i stand there yeah we get it too i mean we get to here we have the same door policy 
We did away with the rules thing. We tried that for a little while, but people kept spitting on them or stealing them. They, the we get ours stolen uh, from the bathrooms yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was that, that whole door policy thing even here was, it took a little while for people to kind of understand it, but it really is about quality of the experience of the guest that's in the chair, you know, because right. like your experience is diminished if you have four people standing behind you also waiting to get a drink that yeah. takes like three minutes to make. Right. So, I mean, yeah. you know, the drinks take a long time to make. It just creates a more organized fashion of yeah of putting out these types of drinks yeah um, but yeah I I mean ultimately we just try to make people feel comfortable like you know there's always going to be lots of ingredients that we use that everyone's not going to know about um, and we'll gladly educate in any way and you know I don't think any of us ever talked down to people for not knowing anything no. I mean I started working there and had never worked in a bar and did not know a lot of things so i totally understand where people are coming from it's the first place i ever tried chartreuse interesting oh, yeah which is obviously very important in my life now so what what were, really your, what were your thoughts when you came into the violet hour for the first well, time i had been i had been to milk and honey sasha's milk and honey in like 2008 maybe i guess so violet hour opened in 2009 no uh, 2000, 2007 2007 okay so i'd been to so maybe I'd been to Milk and Honey before that, but I was familiar with the concept. And so I think I was in Violet Hour relative, like when it was pretty new or I had ju- I'd just moved back to Chicago. So I was already like, I know what's going on here with the whole door policy and all that stuff. And I was, I, the first time I walked in, I was like, ah, this is, they, they think that this is like Milk and Honey, but it's not because I was so convinced. But then, you know, obviously that first night I, I had a pretty good time and then I've been a fan ever since. Yeah, good stuff. I, I'd never met Toby until I came out uh, last time. Oh, okay. We, we, yeah, yeah, it was kind of funny. We've communicated over the years, mainly me like harassing him online. But uh, Toby's a wild man. He's he, a wild uh, man. Um, yeah, he's. If you ever have the opportunity to drink with that man, yeah, is, we oh we did. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We <laughs> we went on like a Chicago bar tour yeah. with oh, you him did. and uh. I so you got yeah. Toby. <laughs> yeah, we got Toby as fuck. <laughs> Um, I may have been passing out of the table in the Chinatown. Yeah, he, we, we ended up in Chinatown at like three in the morning, yeah, and I'm just like, so this is so yeah. But it was a lot of fun. Well, that well that was actually so that was like the night before the event. And yeah, one of the oh, that's I right. We yeah, it was gone, me. We had, yeah, it was me, you, Toby, and Freddie Sarkis. Yeah, right? Yeah. We sat down at the bar. That was, uh, and I didn't realize how extensive or what a great like whiskey selection the Violet Hour. Yeah, had. yeah. Because you just think cocktails, and right? So, same thing with the Sugar House for some people. It's like you think great cocktails, and so. I'm looking at the menu. I'm like, wow, they have a really great whiskey selection. So we started nailing this whiskey. And then he just happened to be sitting at the bar. Next oh, to yeah, you're right. Me. You're right. Yeah. And he's like, hey. Yeah. Yeah, when you guys were in town, I definitely yeah. like, remember that killing a few bottles a, of uh, an antique collection. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Tyler just kept bringing me <laughs> William LaRue. Just yeah. glasses. Of, I'm like, I'm totally happy with this. <laughs> I'm definitely not pissed off about this. Yeah. So That's what do you funny. think is going to happen in the cocktail scene here in Detroit? Well, I mean, it's like I said, you know, I know of probably, um, you know, 50 places that are going to be open in the next year to year and wow. a half, which, you know, by Detroit standards is, is a lot, is a lot. Um, that's like you know, a month in, uh, in Brooklyn right now, 50, 50 a month open apparently. But, uh, so it's a lot for Detroit and every one of them has generally speaking has embraced the idea of the, the craft cocktail. Um, so we're seeing some cool stuff like you got, have you guys been to standby yet? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Standby is really cool. Like <clears throat> when did you guys go Saturday night? We were, that was when we were 
here back in oh, around okay. Thanksgiving. Okay, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, right. we went actually that night. Mm-hmm. Before okay, Thanksgiving. yeah, actually, okay, they, cool. they took us out. Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah, so like, depending on the time you go, you can have like an awesome craft cocktail experience, or it's like dance club. You know, so it kind of depends. But um, we're seeing some really cool progressions. Obviously, we went to Bad Luck last night, and you know, Yanni's sort of moving in one direction, and so we're starting to get more places that are. Uh, embracing different styles of cocktails and um, I think our guests in general, the consumer awareness in Detroit is is increasing you know, and it's not quite as foreign uh, as it was, like when I opened this place people were like, are you opening like an ultra lounge? Like a martini bar? <laughs> I was like, no, and they're like, where are the TVs? And I'm like, there aren't any, oh. you know and then, yeah, so, but it's got you know, it's gotten a lot, lot better, everybody knows you know, more or less what's going on which is fun fun stuff so, throw the question back to you guys. Where do you see the Chicago cocktail scene going? Because you're, you're talking about like bars that are opening that are like spirit, like you see it's gin bars. Like, what's the point? Pat, like, what's the next level? Then? I mean, that's a really good question. It's hard to see. Um, I, I definitely think there's some saturation that's happening in Chicago right now. Um, but I don't know what it's going to lead to or what the trend is necessarily, unless someone has like a better idea they'll do something and and a lot of interest in lower abv cocktails Hmm. um and some people that are doing uh like mocktails or non-alcohol pairings um so julia momose who was running the bar program at green river she's now um at this restaurant called oriole um, which is a bit it's a tasting Mm -hmm. menu so a bit more fine dining and she's kind of leading uh, non-alcohol beverage pairings to do with their dishes. Um, and I think that kind of came from her family background and family members who didn't necessarily drink a lot. And so, you know, there was a lot more like tea and just kind of cool things that you can do without using alcohol. Interesting. And, and wow. just kind of trying to appease to all people. And, you know, there's plenty of people out there that enjoy eating good food and yeah. that don't drink sure or don't want to get super fucked up sure super wasted is like all <laughs> do you guys have like a mocktail kind of programming i mean we've always offered them it's never been anything we've listed on the menu but um yeah we'll always encourage people that are not drinking that we have the opportunity to make them you know something with without alcohol that's utilizing all the juices that we have and syrups and ingredients and it looks just like a cocktail so. yeah so it, it, if i'm overstepping please tell me but um so in terms of sales like as all these new places are opening up i mean i think that violet hour is getting uh bigger nationally but we talked about you know maybe not as many locals how are sales uh, compared to 10 years ago i mean strong better or worse I mean, I'm, 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 like mainly i'm asking every, a self-interest i feel like but. our growth every year is we it's been always do better um, yeah. and we've integrated a lot more um, private events and offsite events and right. doing stuff outside of Violet Hour. So, so you guys do like cocktail in. catering and stuff? We do. Yeah. yeah. So we've been doing that for two years, okay. uh, which is a program that I run. But oh, yeah, okay, cool. last year was the, uh, the the best year we've we've seen. Cool. So cool. Um, That's good to know. private events has been, has been one of our best hmm. uh, programs. Uh, so a lot of people, you know, we have a capacity of 150. Right. You know, we want the pilot hour at our wedding or at at our music venue. How do we how do we get it? So we started the cocktail catering program, which cool. yeah, yeah, which has been doing really well. Mm. And so with that, that that that's fascinating. Do you meet with people and like uh, 
kind of design a menu together? We do. It's it's all customizable. Um, and I think our number one cocktail catering uh, 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 beverage is actually the Juliet and Romeo. A lot of people want their Juliet and Romeo. Um, I, we actually, we do a lot of corporate events as well. A lot of corporate events, weddings, um, some music festivals that are coming into, into town. We do that as well. Cool. Yeah. And even some private parties, like some chefs and, you know, celebrities in Chicago, they want Violet Hour at their party. So is that something that extends that. out to the hospitality group as a whole, because you have different properties, you have yes. the opportunity to mm-hmm. mix and match some of the different. We do. We, we work, we work together. We, we coincide with, with Big Star, with Publican, Nico, um, with all of our sister restaurants, really, I think there's only one yeah, or two that don't all of them have some have sort some of sort of catering. Yeah, mm. so we do a good job of working together and kind of bringing the one-off hospitality to your event. We've also integrated uh, cocktail classes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so private privately, people can book classes. Um, we do some public ones. Um, it's a great team team building for yeah. for corporations. So we do that as well in your office, or if you want to entertain any clients, uh, you, we just bring in a couple of our bartenders and we just go over the classics. You know how to make a stirred cocktail, shaken cocktail, cool, and talk about the pre um, prohibition time and cool. Yeah, we do about three classes a month, give or take. We do like a mixology fundamentals, a two hundred one, which will be a different theme every time like american whiskey or mezcal or whatever yeah and then jason runs a whiskey class pretty much every month now right yeah yeah every it's a good two out of three it's fun it's a good source of revenue it's like i can i'll every once in a while i'll do like one of the mixology classes which is nice to like i'm not obviously i don't bartend anymore so it's nice to sort of be around the customers again and like you know so it's hey, fun. Deepen everyone's education, and so yeah. everyone becomes a little more informed. Yeah, yeah. it's, an, it's yeah. a good indicator too, because I mean, it, we're consistently selling out. We do the first Saturday of every month, unless it's like the Fourth of July falls on. But the first Saturday of every month, we do the fundamentals, the one on one, and it's like we haven't not not sold one out for probably a month, a year. Yeah, now. we've got them wow. sold out like months in advance. So it's like you're gauging the the interest level in bartending being like the idea of like the rise of the home bartender. People are many years ago is like I drink Hennessy or I drink vodka and you would always just, I would just buy Hennessy when I'm ready to drink Hennessy. But now I've noticed that people have home bars and they've got a selection of spirits and making cocktails at home. And so it's good that we can sort of gauge that really strong uh, interest in the craft cocktails still here in the city. Yeah. No, yeah. Without question. It's growing. And I think the, the education aspect of all this is very important, right? So you, you're actually building relationships through these people that pay for classes and they're yeah. like customers for life. And, um, and even the going into like the whole catering aspect of it, like these people, like once you teach somebody something like, oh, maybe I have to come to my house if that's possible. And like, you know, it's, it's like it goes well beyond just the one hour they're with your, with you learning, right? You've taught them yeah. something that they can yeah. do. Yeah, I just did a whiskey class this past Saturday and just uh, random events. There's a, a family, uh, husband and wife, two daughters, and uh, they were talking about they had been to just her, the the mother was like a huge cocktail fan. They had been to Nightjar in London, which was like one of the places that I fanboy out about, and uh, had the fortune to see their pop up at Tales of the Cocktail a couple of years ago. One of the, always perennial, one of the world's best bars. Um, I think they just, I think. 
Marion Beck just opened up a separate place, which I also believe is called Oriole yeah. in London. But yeah. um, amazing, amazing bar program, like experiential, next level. And uh, and so it was really cool because not only were I teaching them about whiskey, but we were, like you said, like making relationships. They're like, oh, here's my email. Hit me up. We're going to like talk about cocktails. And it was just really cool, you know, to have that experience, you know, building shared relationships around shared experiences. Um, so you guys have uh, mentioned another pop-up coming uh, or takeover from New Orleans. When is that again? April 30th. April 30th. Mm-hmm. That's which bar? Cure. Cure. Cure from New Orleans. Bar, other, uh, Great bar. Yeah. Any other plans uh, in 2017 for more takeovers? We're still deciding. Well, yeah. So we haven't. Uh, that's that's the only that's the only one that we have finalized at the moment. But yes, coming they to will you, be. Yes. They will be coming to us. Yeah. And then are you going to them too? Maybe. Uh, we don't know yet. Uh, option that I think is always there. If we yeah. Want yeah. Cool. Yeah, uh, but this is nothing's the, in the books. No. No. I think this is our second takeover where Violet Hour is on the road. So. Awesome. Um, cool. Yeah. All right. We're really excited about it. Well, thanks for being with us today. Uh, thanks for making the trip to Detroit. And best of luck behind the bar tonight. Uh, until next time, dine well, friends. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Cheers. Ooh.